Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. I hear there's uh, baseball. I hear there's basketball in, the, in college. I don't care about it. I do care about the Masters coming up, but that's neither here nor there. We talk about the NBA in Miami, another arena he is not banned at. A tough, tough assignment going to Miami in March there, Ben McMahon. Uh, well, especially hope coming really from good. Milwaukee. I mean, it was a tough transition for me. I do have a hotel on South Beach. Would you like me to whine because only one small window in my room has a good view? No, probably not. Okay. I thought you. Uh, I thought you had the kind of status where you would always get the finest room. So did I. <laughs> well, it's March. It's hard. Uh, is the Ultra Music Festival going on right now? You know what? I have no idea what's going on. I. I, I Let me know, look it up. I know I had a. I know I had a nice dinner on South Beach last night. Spent a little time. Uh, in the sand yesterday, there were some beautiful views on the beach, uh, some wonderful scenery, also some water and stuff. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I think uh, Ultra starts tomorrow. Well, I, I'm going to pretend I, like I know what the hell that is, but I'll be is gone that, then. Okay. Is that to, is the game tonight or tomorrow? The, game's the game tomorrow. is tonight. tonight. Dirk versus D. Wade for one oh. last time. And there are like 2,000 Slovenians that are going to be in the stands because it's uh, Luka Doncic versus Goran Dragic. Uh, let me tell you what there's going to be a lot of uh, foreign nationals. There's going to be uh, 10,000 Swedes at the park next door in ecstasy. Kevin Pelton, do you know what uh, Ultra Ooh, well, is? Really? I'm going to have to stop by no that postgame. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pelton, Kevin no. Pelton is joining us from Seattle. Andrew Hahn, do you know what Ultra Music Fest is? Uh, B, I have no idea what Ultra is. I mean, I mean Nick Friedel. Uh, Kyrie, the producer, do you know well, what Ultra first is? First of all, Friedel is on the do not bring up list right now. He's on my bad side. So oh. let's oh, keep no. moving. Yeah. I do. I, I know it's later. a music festival. Oh, they do play music. Um, this was one of the things I had to learn about Miami when I lived there. And the PTSD that I have from it, did you see that I just like even was like, wait a minute, is it ultra season? Did you um, do a bunch of X or something? Uh, well, you could get a contact high. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, well, I'm <laughs> making a joke, but that was good, McMahon. Good, good stuff. Um, it's a, um, a digital music, not digital music. What do you call it? Techno music. Techno um, crap. Ooh, techno I'm music festival. Glow sticks. Oh, yeah, baby. It's on uh, the night. Yeah. Body paint. Um, they, uh, tens of thousands of, uh, Europeans come over for it and it's held at do, the, do, do, at do. the, that's right, at the that park right next, now. right next to the uh, arena. Um, and it, the entire place is a ecstasy filled orgy for three days. Oh, man, does one fly home tomorrow? You should cancel your flight. Although you're a little old for those. Those folks, but you know, I'm not gonna. Don't not, don't make any assumptions. Me. Last time I was I was there, I I, I had to uh, I was leaving and I uh, hailed a taxi, um, and I wasn't sure I was going to get one. But it was Ultra was wrapping up for the night. And I hailed a taxi, and the taxi opened it, and he. And I, I was very fortunate. Normally, I'm uh, you know wearing a suit doesn't really do anything for you in Miami, but the taxi pulled over, and his entire back seat was covered in plastic. And he goes, "Where are you going?" And I said. Uh, the airport, and he grabbed the plastic. And he said, "Get in." He wanted out of there. He wanted a fare to get out of there. Uh -huh. It wasn't all. Does Ronnie simply DJ Ultra? Probably. I don't know. I, I, people are probably making fun of me. I would just say this: during Ultra, now I lived there for a while, and the building that I lived in um, was a uh, had a club on the on the top floor, and uh, during Ultra, the line to get in. Um, which was there was a big line to get into the club. Um, when I would walk past it, go into my building, it could you could have passed it off of it as a as a porn set. What was going on in that line? Um, yeah, but we talk about the NBA have to here. That flight for sure. Uh, we Not talk about the NBA cold. here. Um, big week in Miami this week, actually. Uh, Kurt, uh, um, Kurt, uh, Chris Bosh's uh, jersey was retired. Um, I watched the ceremony. Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't know if you guys got to watch it. Um, I, I thought it, I thought Bosch was terrific in it. He, um, 
I understand that he's been practicing his speech for a while, and you could tell he had a uh, a really impassioned speech that he gave, and they put up the jersey, and he closed it by running around and doing his Bosch screams, um, which he which I thought was really cool. Uh, but Kevin, uh, I felt that it actually worked against the Miami Heat because it was hmm. about a 25-minute ceremony, and they had an eight-point lead at the half. It was it turned out to be their most important game of the season against the Magic at home. I, you know, they scheduled it months ago. There was no way that they could possibly have known that a Tuesday night game against the Orlando Magic in March um, would be would be so important. But not only was it for the eighth spot in the playoff uh, seed in the East, it was also for the uh, tiebreaker. The Magic came out. Uh, you know, the, the, by the way, the players were out on the court during the um, the uh, the ceremony. Obviously, Donis Haslam and Wade were like sort of part of it because uh, they were teammates. But the players were all sitting on the bench. Chris launches into a long, like I think it was a fifteen minute speech, and then of course they had the Pat Riley had a speech and the ceremony and everything. And the, I I remember looking at the players on the bench and they were kind of stretching their legs, going. I don't know, man. And then the Magic came out and like went on a big run, took the lead in the third quarter. Now, in fairness, I'm sure a Heat fan at this point would say, well, uh, Brian, uh, we have been a terrible third quarter team all year, and that is not, not untrue. But they lost control of the game in that early part of the third quarter. They lost the game, lost the eighth playoff seed and the tiebreaker to the Magic. I think it worked against them, Kevin. I don't know if you saw anything about that game. Just some clips, you know, some highlights from Bosch's speech. I mean, it's interesting. You know, the the Thunder, when they retired Nick Collison's jersey a couple weeks ago, which I think we talked about on the pod at some point, uh, they did it pregame, but they ended up losing that game, which was uh, on ESPN against the Raptors. So, uh, you know, fortunately well, for the Spurs, who have their own jersey, they're losing everybody. Tonight, McMahon. That's very fair. You, uh, what, what if they if they did if they, if they, if, you well, can't McMahon, plug on the machine midway. Well, hold <laughs> on, finish. McMahon. If they if they did a Bosch ceremony before a game in, in Miami, there'd be nobody there to see it. Oh, absolutely I, not. Well, I know. <laughs> you know, no offense to the Heat fans, they are actually very passionate fans, but they do not show up once they uh, get for the there. start of the game. <laughs> um, sorry, go ahead, Kevin. I'm sorry. They're they're all at Ultra Festival. Uh, but the, the, fortunately for the Spurs, who are retiring Manu Ginobili's jersey tonight, it's against the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think that's going to be a safer game for them in all likelihood. A little less important. Yeah. But you know what? They're having a long halftime because they're bringing out uh, the golden generation from Argentina. They invited Pablo Prigioni, Fabrizio Alberto, Luis Scola, um, obviously uh, Ginobili, um, Tony a couple Parker's other guys. There. Yeah, Tofino? Parker... Yeah, uh, Delfino is back from them from Charlotte. Uh, Delfino is still playing in Europe, so I don't I don't think oh, he's going to okay. be there. But um, but anyway, it was a it was a big. I don't want to take anything away from the Magic. It was a big win for the Magic. Um, uh, Pelton, uh, the Magic have been the number three defensive team since January first, and they're in the eighth seed. I don't want to belabor talking about the eighth seed in the East here because we got a lot of other stuff going on in the league, but. Um, that's not a team that I saw as a playoff team to start the year. They do not have a lot of talent, um, in my opinion. I mean, they, you know, um, and they've got nothing from their they've got nothing from their relatively early lottery pick too. Yeah, he's he's yeah. he's nothing, and he's been out with injury. Exactly. Um, they they made a, a trade at the deadline uh, for uh, you know for Markel Fultz. He's not playing, so right. they didn't get their deadline trade. Um, I think like their biggest offseason move was trading for Mozgov, who isn't playing. Yeah. He's just there. Um, I guess you could say signing Aaron Gordon was their biggest offseason move. Um, so Vucevic they, has they, had a great they, they year. Do have, yeah, they do have some talent. I mean, they've got an all-star big man. You know, Gordon is is at the minimum. I mean, he's a very talented young player. Uh, Fournier's got some talent. You know, Ross coming off the bench is a really nice. Ross player. is having a great. He, he's having a great year in a contract year for sure. Yeah, and then Jonathan yeah. Isaac, who has stepped into a larger role here. I'm, yeah, uh, I think you could say though that you know since Gordon was just retaining a player rather than adding to the roster, their biggest offseason move 
was probably on the sidelines. And, you know, we knew that there was defensive talent here, the way that Orlando has been drafting in the last few years, just basically the most athletic, longest front court players they can possibly find in terms of Isaac and Gordon. And, you know, Bamba fits into that, even though, you know, they kind of took off when he stopped playing and Kem Birch started playing those back backup minutes because of the fact that Bamba was injured. Uh, the one thing that does make me a little skeptical is, uh, you know, I looked at that same stat since January 1st, and then my first, my mind always goes to, well, what are opponents shooting against them in that span? And lo and behold, it is the lowest three-point percentage in the league, 32% by uh, Orlando opponents since January 1st. Mm. So I'm not sure that's 100% sustainable, but it doesn't need to be. It just needs to work for the next two weeks here for them to get back to the playoffs for the first time since Dwight Howard was in Orlando. Jeez. Wow. Well, that's, that's crazy. Uh, and he's been on half the teams in the league since then. Yeah, you know, uh, we've uh, some. So there's been some teams that have taken some heat for, for, for you know, having a bunch of high picks in a row and not, you know, really improving. Uh, Phoenix, I think, uh, yeah. right up there at the top. But Orlando is, you know, they just they they're, they just there's been kind of nothing. There's been nothing there. Um, so I want to give them a nod to say that Steve, you know, because I think. Um, defense, uh, getting a team to play good defense, you know, obviously you have defensive talent. You, you need to have athleticism. You need to have, um, you know, you can't have uh, swinging gates, etc. But defense a lot of times is, is based on coaching. And so Steve Clifford has gotten those guys to play really good defense and it's carried them into the spot. And it's really, you know, going, I, I don't want to, again, I don't want to belabor this, but going into Miami on Chris Bosch Jersey retirement night in a game that the Heat had to win, I think they were down like 15 in the first half. Like I said, they were down eight at the half and coming in and winning that game. That is a, that is a kind of victory that can be a swing victory for a young team. And, um, I was impressed by it and I was watching, I, I basically, I turned it on to watch Bosch. And I stayed and ended up watching the Magic um, uh, pull off that second half, and I thought that that was that was uh, a pretty intriguing um, uh, time. So uh, great memories there for Dirk uh, because that was where the Heat uh, or the the uh, Mavericks won the title in 2011, and then they famously went over to um, live. Uh, to party, McMahon. Did you join them at the party that night? I, I uh, actually, I did. I, I did. I did make an appearance that night. You know, just being the, the uh, in-depth reporter that I am, just wanted to make sure that I chronicled everything. Get um, some scene. And I and I and I asked uh, I asked Dirk if he was going to be able to make another appearance there uh, on this trip, just for old times' sake. And he said, No, you know, he probably would have if they'd have stayed overnight. I said, you know, Dirk, you do have the power to alter travel plans. You understand that. And he said, some of the young guys definitely wanted to stay uh, after the game. They don't play again until Sunday in OKC, uh, which also has an unbelievable nightlife. Shout out to the Pink Parrot. But uh, whoa, 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 whoa! I'm going to call a 30 second timeout here. So, if you don't know about the Pink Parrot, I, I don't know. What no, to no, tell no. You, Forget but, about the uh, Pink Parrot. Hold yeah. on a minute. Hold on a minute. The Mavericks play tonight in Miami. Then they yeah. have two nights off. Uh, Are they flying home? Are they flying, flying home, home tonight? They're okay, flying so there's home. a chance to go home. Well, and, and Dirk said some of the young guys definitely wanted to stay, but basically Carlisle put the kibosh on that whole idea. You know, old, old Rick doesn't I, – I don't think he wants to let 20-year-old Luca explore too much of the uh, Miami nightlife quite – at this point in his career. Okay. This isn't this is a very interesting little moment in MB, in the NBA. Because being a Western Conference team, this is Dallas's only trip to Miami, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, the Mavericks have, you know, nothing to play for really. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm sure that they would dispute that that every game is important, etc., but you know, there's mm, nothing not really. to play for. <laughs> no, they're not disputing. Um, <laughs> um, most teams once they go out on a road trip, they stay out. Um, you know, occasionally yeah, but OKC is is literally a thirty minute flight from Dallas. But in this situation, like for example, let's say the Detroit Pistons were playing in Miami and then had two days off and were playing in Toronto. Do you think they would go home to Detroit, or do you think because it's a thirty minute flight from Detroit to Toronto? Do you think that they would go home, or do you think that they would stay? Do you think if the New York Knicks were playing the the Seventy Sixers? On this situation, that they would 
go home to New York. I think they're staying. I, look, this is this is a Rick Carlisle control freak power play, and it's a shame. But like, but here's why is, I think it's interesting. It, that's, it's one of the best. It's maybe they know it's ultra. Life. Maybe they know it's ultra, <laughs> and they want to get the hell out of there. I kind of get sure it. That, yeah, I think Rick want to make sure that Luca's blood alcohol percentage didn't resemble his three point percentage. Uh, frankly, I think it's a good idea because Ultra is wild. It's wild, man. I'm telling you, I'm curious now. This starts. You said tomorrow night. The, well, I mean, I'm sure the I'm sure it's ramping up tonight. But uh, I mean, I, I do. I, I am heading somewhere wild and crazy, though. I'm going to Salt Lake City instead, so it's pretty similar. <laughs> So I would just say that the two most eye-opening uh, events in Miami when I li- lived there, the two things that happened, the two, you know, because there, you know, there's a lot of major events in Miami. There's the boating show. There's Art Basel, which is a, you know, huge international thing, um, uh, were Ultra and Sizzle. And what I'll about let Memorial you look Day? Up, I'll let you guys look up Sizzle on your own. Um so Memorial uh, Day, I, I I got caught up in Memorial Day during the, those finals, and uh, it was quite a scene. My thoughts are on the record: Ultra and Sizzle, two things I had never seen anything like that before. Um, so McMahon, um, I am as we go on here, and the closer I look at this, I continue to be fascinated by what this lottery that is coming at us is setting up to be. And I know that every year that the, that the lottery night is a, you know, really important thing for a lot of teams and it controls futures. The Dallas Mavericks are in the thick of the highest stakes lottery I can possibly remember. Yeah. Pelton, what are they now? Do they have the six best odds? I, they I did do. not look this more. Okay, so they and do. obviously their pick is top five protected. You say the Dallas Mavericks, I say the Atlanta Hawks. But know, see, I mean, but see, the Hawks, the Hawks could 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 end up with like, I mean, best case scenario, they could end up with the first overall pick and the sixth overall pick in this draft. And then you know, getting back to the Mavericks, obviously, it's top five protected. If they Give it up this year, it's going to be six, seven, eight, somewhere in that range. If they end up top five this year and, you know, things go well for them next year, it might not be a lottery pick. You know, with Porzingis and whoever they add with their 30-ish million dollars in cap space, Luca getting a, a summer of work in. I mean, the Mavericks expect to compete for the playoffs next season. So, yeah, it's, there's a lot swinging on this for not just the Mavericks, but obviously the Hawks as well. Let me break this down. It's not just Zion, okay? Dallas has max cap space, right? Yeah. Kevin, right? They have max, max cap space. I mean, they, they, they can get to max pretty easily. So think right. about this. Dallas obviously has Luca and Porzingis, two, two cornerstones that you're going to be able to go forward with. Think if they get one of the top two picks, okay? Which, by the way, is a 9% chance of getting the number one pick for them and 37% chance right now of getting a top four pick. But think if they get Ja or Zion, because I think right now Ja is the number two pick. And they have max cap space. So if you're a free agent out there, like let's say you're Chris Middleton, all right? Let's say you're Jimmy Butler. Mm, Think about that. I'm not not so sure that the latter there would (laughs) be... That much. All right. I don't, I'm Mutual. not so sure that the match, right. I don't. I don't think he. Okay. I don't think he matches the timeline. Look, the ma- think, Kevin Durant. What about if you're Mavericks Kawhi Leonard? Kevin Durant say no. Okay, and but I'm just I think, saying. I think. I hear you. I think Kawhi and Durant though are like we all expect them to land in one specific team, and it, it, they might make a connection through Dallas. Although I don't think that happens when you fly private. But yeah. I'm just saying though. Think about how big of a difference it would make. Because they have max cap space, they can say, "Come here." I mean, players want to live in Dallas. No tax, well, no Mavericks, state income tax. The Mavericks, for the first time ever, the Mavericks can go into free agency meetings and pitch, you know, the the, the potential of guys they have on the roster for the future. I mean, when it was 
you know, when they had all those swings and misses year after year after year, once they broke up the title team, basically, like, come play with Dirk. And guys looked at him like, Dirk's 30-some-odd already. Dirk's in his mid-30s. Like, why sign up for Dirk's Twilight and then what? But when you're saying, come play with 20-year-old Luca, who's an absolutely brilliant passer, and 23-year-old Porzingis, who is... You know, I mean, the, the, the position flexibility, the talent, I mean, seven foot three, so skilled, so athletic. For the first time, they'll be able to, to really get guys excited about the, the, the present and, uh, and near future of the cornerstones on that roster. Okay. So now you mentioned Atlanta earlier. Pelton, think about this. Think about, think about Atlanta's Grand Slam. Let's think about Atlanta's Grand Slam. All right. They have Trey. They have John Collins. They have Kevin Herter. All right. Mm-hmm. Atlanta's grand slam is what if they win the lottery, which is ten and a half percent right now. They've got forty two percent chance of being in the top four. What if they win the lottery? What if Atlanta gets the number one pick and Dallas doesn't move up and they get the number six pick? And they have Trey Young, John Collins, Kevin Herter, the number one pick, the number six pick, and max salary cap space. You want to talk about a team that's about to make an explosion? What could happen there, Kevin? Like this, yeah, like mean, the, they, the more I'm looking at this, the more I'm blown away. I mean, I think the one thing is, you know, Ben kind of alluded to it. I don't know if either of these two teams would want to go out and spend all that money right now when the core of their roster is going to be guys in their first and second, or in you know, in the Hawks' case, John Collins' third year. You probably really want to get like towards the end of their rookie contracts, and that, that's when you want to start peaking is the, the timetable. So, you know, 2021 for the Mavericks, when Luca will still be in the last year of his rookie deal, and, and Tim Hardaway will be off the books, or, you know, maybe the summer after in Atlanta's case. But the other th- aspect of it is maybe you don't want to tie yourself into one of those kind of second tier free agents if you do think down the road you could be appealing to someone of even greater stature. I don't know. I think they're calling for meetings. I think they're calling for meetings. Um, no, I think you should definitely swing for the fences. But I, I think if you don't hit home runs, you make sure you have flexibility either in contract length or contracts you feel like are going to be tradable in case, you know, and, and, and let's just be honest. It, for the Mavericks, like, do you think there's maybe a reason they, they picked Costa San Kumpo with the last overall pick in the draft and have had him on a two-way deal all year long? <laughs> yeah, I don't, like, I, yeah, no. I, I don't I'm think just saying. Going anywhere. Well, fine. Okay. But if the Bucks right. play him out in the playoffs in the next two years, then, you know. I'm, and if it's a 1% chance, don't you make sure that you don't do anything to, to punt on the 1% chance of having arguably the best player in the league? I guess. I'm just saying. Here's the thing. The Mavericks only are going to have cap space right now because they're going to have to also sign Borzingas this offseason and the cap base is going to be gone. So they, have, they, they mm. kind of have to spend it. But 21, when Hardaway comes off the books, then, you know, if they, if they manage the... Yeah, when well, that's when Giannis is a free agent. Well, all right. Uh, let me keep going in this lottery. Lakers, with their losing... By the way, can I just say something real quick? I know the last night was a back-to-back. Thank you. <laughs> I know the last night was a back-to-back. But under the letter of the law, it's a national television game. LeBron did not travel. They didn't have an advance notice of him travel, not traveling. They, they announced it at the game um, for load management. I mean, I totally get why they sat him, but, you know, isn't that... And right, after, right after he kind of taunted the league office, the league office has been whatever he said about not being able to go to Chris Bosh's deal. Yeah, um, isn't that by the letter of the Anthony Davis law, uh, you know, Resting a healthy player isn't that against the rules? Just want to point that out. Uh, again, I, I not that our, I play. I think our bosses probably would have preferred for LeBron to be playing in that game on ESPN. All right. Anyway, the Lakers tanking situation has got them a fourteen percent chance now of getting into the top four. Think about if forget about them winning the lottery. That's a three percent chance, but fourteen percent—that's not nothing to get into the top four. How does their scenario, their their trade offer? to re-engage Anthony Davis change if they hop into the top four. Yeah, right I'm now their, their Staples Center neighbors can make a better offer. Not if they're in the top four, they can't. And that's what I'm saying. And then, that, then that would probably swing that. Because, Pelton, here's the thing. I, I know everybody's just making an assumption about Boston, but if Boston 
is going to lose Kyrie Irving, or if they, or if that seems uncertain, I don't think they can include Jason Tatum in a trade package. Because I just don't think that they can afford to lose Tatum and Kyrie Irving in the same offseason, especially if Anthony Davis is not going to commit uh, beyond next year, which I don't think he's going to do, at least initially. So I'm not sure that Boston, without Tatum, can beat out as many offers as we think. And if the Lakers have the number, let's just say the Lakers have the number four pick, they come back to them with a with a package that includes the number four pick. That may change this. I'm just I'm just going back again to the to the way this lottery is setting. Forget about the actual picks in this draft. The way it's setting up things to change to change everything. Of course, what if know? what if the Knicks win the lottery? I haven't even gotten to New York yet, <laughs> Kevin. What do you think about the What do you think about the Lakers? You know, I think if you're a new GM, you know, whether that's Danny Ferry or someone else taking over the Pelicans, like it's a lot more appealing to be able to go out and make that pick myself than, you know, get guys in Lonzo and Brandon Ingram who are obviously very talented, but, you know, I think they're very much eye of the beholder how valuable they are, and it's not your chance to go out and actually shape the direction of the franchise. So, what if you can get yeah, Lonzo and Brandon Ingram and the fourth pick? Yeah, I mean, both. That, yeah, well, that's what I'm asking for, obviously. Um, I just think it potentially, I mean, I know we're talking about 13%, um, and they're pro- I, I think it would be hard-pressed for the Lakers to improve much on that. They're three games back in the loss column of, um, of, of really improving their percentage anymore, but 14% is not nothing. That's a, that's a decent chance to massively improve their trade offer. Um, okay, you mentioned New York, McMahon. Think about this. Let's not even say that they get the number one pick. By the way, New York has a 14% of number one, uh, 52% to be in the top four. That's the, the lessening of the percent. Um, New York's chance of getting the number one pick is the same chance as the Lakers of getting to the top four. I want you to think about that. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's the way these new rules are. It's not, you know, um, so let's say the Knicks don't get number one. Let's say the Knicks get number two or number three. All right? Think about a scenario where in the same offseason, the Knicks could get Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. Because <laughs> I think it's in play. Because, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's hard to trade Zion, even for Anthony Davis, because Anthony Davis only got a one-year commitment. But let's say they do get KD. Let's say the KD and Durant... Um, this relationship, and by the way, I'm um, not Katie and Durant, Katie and Kyrie. Kyrie. By the way, yeah. I heard, you know, I had somebody reputable this week tell me that that relationship is as strong as ever, that Durant and, and Kyrie talk every day, or if not, talk, text every day. Let's say that that Jim Dolan wet dream happens. Whoa. And, that, they, and, that? That, <laughs> and, that, and that they land those two guys, and that they stay in the, in the lottery. And okay, so it's, it's not number one. Isn't New Orleans maybe interested in number two or number three, plus some of their other young guys? I mean, what we saw from John Morant last weekend in the NCAA tournament, you've got to be very excited about him. He's not Zion, but it's not a one-player draft either. Yeah. Yep. And what young... Like, I don't know. I, I think Mitchell Robinson has some value. Uh, I don't think Dennis Smith Jr. has a whole lot, but there's a, a little something there. Kevin Knox, I think, has some value. I mean, they're, they're, they've got some intriguing young guys on that roster. I'm not I mean, sure. Again, I'd want. I'm not sure if I'm New Orleans that it's a great idea to bring Mitchell Robinson back home, considering some of the tough things he had to overcome in his in his background. But he's a talent. I mean, but they could make a compelling offer if they have one of the top, maybe two or three picks. Heck, and, even and, again, and they've number got a ton four. Of picks. They got two picks coming from the Mavericks. You know, so they're they're loaded up with ammo. I just, I just think that this lottery is opens up so many different avenues, depending on how it falls. Not just for getting the players, but for other maneuvers. And as I've watched these things sort of develop in recent weeks, I just I'm fascinated by it. I'm, and I and I know that there's other years why you could probably find stuff I've said and written where I'm saying, oh, this lottery is fascinating. But I find it even more fascinating by the day. 
And uh, I mean, there's, there's even other. I mean, we could even even go further. I mean, Phoenix, for example. I mean, if Phoenix wins the the, the number one pick, um, you know, they're going to be in position to, you know, have three really good players. I mean, if you think and about maybe Phoenix, even win a game sometime when Devin Booker scores fifty. <laughs> Right, I mean, but you think about this, like, what if they get Zion? They could have Zion, Aiton, and Booker. And they might actually hire a competent front office. They might not. And perhaps even get a point guard. Yeah, and they've got caps. For that reason, wouldn't be bad. Yeah, I mean, they could easily get this number two pick. I mean, I'm not saying they would be a championship contender right away, but... But they might not be the worst team in the West. Clearly the worst team in the West. Yeah, I mean... And by the way, Sacramento, um, their pick belongs to Boston. What happens if that pick gets lucky? I mean, this is a much higher percentage, yeah, much lower percentage chance like of a, happening. That's like a one point five percent chance or some such. Okay, so in the in the in the in the old days, it was like a it was like literally a, a tenth of a percent point chance of of winning the right. lottery. But it's a two and a half percent chance of moving into the top four. Now I'm not saying that. It's funny though because when this season started, we all thought that pick would be a top five-ish right. kind of pick, and the Sun yep. or the Kings rather just drastically exceeded expectations, and uh, you know really kind of messed up the Celtics. Well, I mean, it's still nice for the Celtics to have a what'll probably be a mid-first round pick, but we all thought that was going to be just uh, you know a ridiculous addition to their. Treasure trove. Pelton, um, what's your evaluation in this draft of uh, what 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 pick do you need to be to get a guy that you think is going to be an impact player? This is one of the things that executives always talk about. This is a five-player draft. This is a seven-player draft. This is a three-player draft. Where, in your evaluation of this, you know, where do you need to be? So I think the first thing I'd say is that's always a dangerous thing. We've brought this up before, but the. Uh, the Nets trading the pick for uh, for Gerald Wallace in in uh, 2012 yeah. that became Damian Lillard because they thought it was a three player draft, so they only projected it to the top three, and then Damian Lillard went uh, I think number six in that draft. Uh, that that's the kind of danger that that is out there. But I would say that to me, you know, there's there's there, the tiers are Zion's in a tier by himself, John Morant's in a tier by himself, and then I think it's everyone else after that. That so, so I would probably answer that a two player draft. Okay, but there are you know don't you don't you don't think R.J. Barrett is a guy who could be an impact player at all? So you, so you, okay, I see what you're saying. I, I'm much more hey, skeptical. Hey, he certainly can. You're saying there's two guys you bet are are immediate impact type of players, and then obviously there will be some other guys who end up being nice players, but in terms of essentially safe bet sure things you see two of them yeah and you know it's not an exact comparison but i think back sometimes to you know the last lottery that seemed felt this important going in i think was 2007 where oddly it was the team boston that that moved down in the lottery that ended up making the moves that actually helped them immediately win a championship but uh you know that year it was all about getting into the top two of Durant and Oden. And, you know, there were very good players outside that. Al Horford, Mike Conley. These are guys who have gone on to great careers, but right. definitely you wanted to be in that top two. And it also kind of didn't matter one or two. I, you know, I was working for the Sonics at that point for their website. And, you know, we had this all staff party and everyone goes nuts when they announce uh, Atlanta is the third pick guaranteeing that the Sonics were going to be in the top two. No one even paid attention to whether we were one or two. That almost didn't matter. It ended up mattering a lot. <laughs> it did. Um, you you wanted you were better off being two for certain. Obviously, yeah. Um, so I mean, I know that you know, and part of the reason I wanted to talk about this today is because pretty soon we're not going to be talking about these teams at all for a while. We'll talk about them when they get to the draft, but the playoffs are almost upon us and everything like that. And um, I just think that uh, I just think it's going to be. Phew, what day is the lottery? I got got to block off my. I think it's like May eighteenth, something like that. It's May fourteenth. The uh, it's always on ESPN before Game Two of the Conference Finals. This year, ESPN has the Western Conference Finals, so it'll be before Game Two of the Western Conference Finals. I think that's usually the plan. But um, uh, that's that's how you can always have a good idea of when the Western Conference Finals or the Conference Finals are going to start because you find the lottery and know that. Like I will promise you that there will be a. 
Western Conference Finals game on May 14th this year. Maybe one, maybe two, probably two. So, Andrew, are you, after hearing me talk about it, are you going to go to Ultra Music Fest next year? Or are you going to even try to make it this weekend? Uh, I'm, look, I'm looking up tickets right now, Brian. Um, let me just say that, to me, the stress that I feel during Ultra is getting a taxi or getting an Uber to get out of downtown. And the Heat always play games uh, during it. And I start getting worried, like, what if I can't get out of here? What if I have to, uh, like, 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 you know, try to like hitchhike out of here? Because what if I'm stuck? Um, it's really, really challenging. Um, th- it's stressful. You know what isn't stressful and challenging, Andrew? Uh, hiring with ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter takes all the difficulty and the stress out of hiring. When you need a, a candidate and you go to ZipRecruiter. They will deliver the top choices right to your inbox. Their powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes to find the people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Trust me, there's times during Ultra, Andrew, where I didn't think I was going to get a ride in the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash collective. I know you're all smart because you would use ZipRecruiter, but collective is spelled C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash collective. Check them out. They will deliver the candidates that you need. That's ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So, McMahon, you're going out to see the Jazz. Um, so they are in an interesting position. And the reason is, is with the injury to Yusef Nurkic, I think that the trailblazers now become a team you'd like to try to get yourself aligned with in that first round. Uh, Pelton wrote a very strong explanation after Nurkic's unfortunate injury of why he's so important. I mean, you see a guy that averages 15 points uh, get hurt, and you say, boy, they, they lose their third best player. That hurts them. But uh, Kevin explained. In fact, Kevin, explain. I don't want to take your piece, but explain real quick why you why Nurkic is so important to the way the Trailblazers play. Yeah, he's really key to their style at both ends of the court. I mean, defensively, the way they have always defended, or for a long period of time, defended under Terry Stotts is they want to drop that big man, keep him around the basket, uh, prevent easy scores at the rim. And Nurkic is obviously much better than that than Ennis Cantor. Zach Collins maybe a little better at filling that role, but not quite to Nurkic's ability. And then offensively, Nurkic is the release valve when teams trap Damian Lillard out of the pick and roll, which or you know whoever the the screen setter is, typically that's their center. Uh, now it'll be Cantor often or or Zach Collins. And those guys are not the same kind of playmakers off the pick and roll that Nurkic is. So you'll lose a little bit of that dimension, which already was an issue for them in last year's playoffs when the Pelicans trapped Lillard. I think I saw a stat that um, Nurkic and Lillard have run the second most pick and rolls. Yeah, that was in my piece, according to uh, the the second spectrum tracking. I mean, just just look at any Damian. Go go find a Damian Lillard, um, you know, highlight package. Um, and instead of watching him hit the threes, look who sets the screens that he's coming off of to hit those shots. Um, it's Nurkic. And, um, you know, Cantor and Zach Collins and Mo Harkless are not those kind of screen setters. So McMahon, to me, because, you know, one of the things we talked about in this pod last week were that, you know, teams in the back, you know, in the lower half of the uh, the seedings were kind of saying, can we get ourselves aligned with Denver? Maybe now, you know, Denver's two, Portland's three. Portland probably you know, ends up four, though, because the, they're just a half game ahead of the Rockets. Yeah, and they're going on a four-game Eastern Conference trip, which, you know, it's not the West, but it's four games without Nurkic. I mean, you know, the Jazz are one of the teams that could end up, you know, getting that, that wounded team in the first round. And McCollum is going to be back. We don't know if he's going to be right. Right. He'll be coming off of – I mean, it's hard to expect he'll just hit the ground running and, you know, missing that much time coming off an injury. And, look, the other thing, as much as we're all – and all of us are doing it, and, you know, I mean, 
people who are involved in these matchups are, are doing it quietly. As much as people are dismissing Denver, you pointed out last week, do you really want to deal with a team that has home court advantage? You no, know, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to dismiss them. I want to be clear about this. It's not that people are dismissing them. It's that the concept of having to play either the Warriors or the Rockets versus having to play the Nuggets, a team that isn't great defensively, doesn't have a lot of playoff experience, and doesn't necessarily have a guy who can get them two points under huge pressure or at least has proven that. I think that if you had your choice about playing those three teams, the team that you'd want to play would be the Nuggets, and now you'd say also the Blazers. Yeah. I, I I would agree with that, and like I said, I think the Blazers just end up four. So I think the the fight for the five seed, which you know is is very competitive right now, it should be fun heading down the stretch. I mean, there's a chance it comes down to the last night in the season when uh, Utah plays at the Clippers. Hmm. Yeah, Utah, you know, has taken advantage of their friendly schedule. They 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 botched a couple of games. To teams that they shouldn't, but they still won eight out of ten. They are yeah. functionally, you know, they've been. The, oh, by the way, all, the the Nuggets have also won at eight out of ten, and you know, pulled themselves into essentially a tie with the Warriors. So, but the Clippers um, have won six straight. The Clippers are yep. rolling, and the Clippers Blazers, tied despite the, the injuries, have won five straight. Right. So the Blazers uh, have to go on the road. Um, I think they play Atlanta, um, who's been hot recently. Um, not a bad team anymore. I'm trying to think yeah. who else they play. It's it's not a meat they grinder. Eastern. Right. He was fighting for seeding. So they, so they already started last night with Chicago, where they got a very friendly start to this road trip against a Bulls team that has shut down basically everyone on the roster at this point and was starting something that looked more like a Windy City Bulls lineup in, in many respects than a, uh, than a Chicago Bulls lineup last night. By the way, you have so much power that they named a G League team after you. That is impressive. That's right. <laughs> Unfortunately, I haven't been in Chicago in a while because they've been so bad. Um, by the way, uh, I saw some people making fun of the Bulls because they say that Lowry Marketing was shut down for fatigue which sounded like a creative way of saying load management, but he actually had a scary situation the other day in Toronto because he had a rapid heart rate and they actually kept him overnight for observation. So um hope that he's doing well. But um but yeah, I mean, you know, again, this is another thing. Like if you were a top team, if you were, you know, let's look at the other direction. If you're if you wouldn't talk to Golden State or Denver or or Portland, I'm sorry, Golden State, well, even Portland, Golden State, Denver, or Houston, you'd say, well, which one of these teams do you want to play in the first round? Well, you probably don't want to face the Thunder because even though they're struggling right now, they are dangerous. I'm not really excited about playing the Spurs in the first round. Um, the Spurs have been awesome at home. You talk about the Nuggets having the best record at 31-6. and six. The Spurs have the second-best home record, um, and you've got two players who can win you a game. I know that DeRozan's... Um, playoff record is a spotty, but certainly I'm not anxious about playing them. Um, you'd probably say you want to play the Clippers because from a straight talent standpoint, um, you know, man for man, uh, you know, you're always afraid of Lou Williams going off, but you know, they've got a rookie point guard playing in his first playoff setting. I mean, you'd probably say you want the Clippers, but do you? Do you right, want the um, Be careful what you say. Doc Rivers might bring it up in a locker room speech. He's <laughs> going to pop some champagne and be talking about Wendy on his podcast. It'd be good. It'd be good publicity for us, though. That that, that was funny because he goes uh, he goes ESPN predicted thirty three wins. I don't know if these are accurate. I, I I'm sure somebody looked them up for him. He said Vegas predicted thirty three wins. Charles Barkley thirty three wins. You know, blah, blah blah. And then I looked. Guess who has thirty three wins? The Ooh. L.A. Lakers. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just we look at those the predictions teams. and they look a lot more yeah. accurate, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, th- I think the thing about the Clippers, as well as they've played lately, still they don't really belong in terms of point differential. I mean, they're, they're a plus 1.3 last of these eight teams. By contrast, Utah, with all these blowouts against lesser competition, now plus 5.0 better than Denver. Yes, yeah, so Tom Haberstroh had a really interesting uh, tweet the other day. He was talking about... Um, Haberstroh. Yeah, I, I think we talked about this in the pod earlier this week, but um, maybe we didn't. 
the the Bucks have forty three wins. They have fifty six wins. Um, uh, I think that let me, ch- let me check that. Yeah, they have fifty six wins overall, and forty three of them are by ten or more points. Um, they lead the league in that category by uh, a country mile. Second place with twenty nine. Actually, I don't know if they won, I think it was twenty nine of their forty five wins. Maybe they, they did win the double digits last night. If that's what you're okay, so okay, so thirty of their forty five wins, two thirds of the Utah Jazz's wins have been by ten plus points. Um, as many as the Warriors, or maybe even they passed the Warriors after last night. That was a stunning stat to me. I mean, first off, the separation that that the um, that the Bucks have fifteen more ten point wins than anybody else, which sort of goes to why they are. Growing as a uh, as a as a uh, you know their 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 odds are improving mm-hmm. in terms of uh, winning the overall title. Um, the the Warriors I think are still two to five, but um, Pelton the uh, the first thing when I saw that number I said, well that's teams that like that happened with the Lakers last night have to play in Utah on the second night of a back to back, and just in general they're a great home team and they just pound the hell out of teams, but. Still, it's still a pretty surprising number to me. Well, actually, interesting fact here is they are third in terms of double-digit road wins with fourteen. So in your face, Wendy. Well, I'm I'm learning. I'm being educated. Denver does have that split. They have seventeen double-digit wins at home and only four on the road this season. But uh, Utah's is relatively easy, even at seventeen and fourteen. So they've been they've been good everywhere. I, you know, I think it speaks to when this Jazz team is clicking when they're making shots. Like, they look very yeah. difficult to beat. And then the nights when that doesn't happen, they look like they can't beat any. When Donovan Mitchell is efficient, and like you said, it, it, Rubio really is a big-time barometer. When Rubio's knocking down shots, you know, then suddenly they're a good shooting team. Okay, Rubio's hitting shots. Joe Ingles is one of the better three-point shooters in the league. Corver coming off the bench. You know, the other guy who's kind of inconsistent for them but is a huge key is, uh, is Jay Crowder coming off the bench. And Can by I, the way, how, Derek Favors, Derek Favors is playing the best basketball he's played since the Jazz have become relevant again. He's he looks really good, really bouncy. Brian, so Pelton, can I just mention yes, really fast that this yes. Utah Jazz team is a huge missed opportunity at the deadline. Those rumors about Mike Conley or just functionally getting a second playmaking, ball handling perimeter player for that offense that could have been like a real contending team in the West. Yeah, and I don't really know. I don't have enough information to know how close they really were. Um, let me ask you, hey, Pelton, do you know how the, the Jazz have played against the Nuggets this year? I don't know that off the top of my if, head. If, I don't know. Maybe Pelton, you can look come it up. on. <laughs> I, just, I, I just want you to think of this. Uh, it, let, let's say you were in Vegas and you were, or you, I guess you could make this anywhere, a lot of places now. Let's say you were in Vegas and you were looking for a decent uh, a bet for the Western Conference playoffs. Think about this. Um, I'm going to agree with McMahon, and I'm going to predict that the the Trailblazers slip to three. I'm sorry, to four, and the Jazz are tied for let the cha- the Jazz are tied for uh, the fifth uh, playoff seed right now. But they have the easiest schedule coming down the stretch. Um, let's say they get the five seed. Let's say they get a wounded uh, Blazers series, Blazers in the first round. And I'm not. Going to take anything away from the Blazers. I think it would be a grinder series, but I think the Jazz would be favored because of the Blazers' injuries. Yep. And let's say the Nuggets end up with the one seed, and let's say the Nuggets take care of business and win the first round. The Jazz could potentially get the Nuggets to get, make it to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, the Jab looking now. The Jazz have a 2-1 advantage in the season series. The one loss was in the first few weeks of the season. Uh, they, they've beat the Nuggets both in Utah and in Denver, and then they play again April 9th in a game that's probably going to have ramifications maybe for both teams. So, it, and where is that game at? That's in Utah. It's in, it's in Utah. So if they win that game, they go 3-1 and one against Denver? Just saying, man. And th- against a Denver team that has no playoff experience, essentially, and a Utah team that's been to the, uh, you know, that, that's won a playoff series each of the last two years. Obviously, a much different team last year than the year before, but, 
you know, there's a, a, at least, uh, you know, Gobert, Favors, Ingles. I mean, there's guys who've been to two straight playoff series. And obviously Donovan Mitchell certainly <laughs> was playoff ready last year when the time came. Look, I mean, so would, Lillard I could have three 40-point games and, and, and they could win the, they could lose the first round. I'm just, I'm just looking. That's all. And you know, the other funny thing is, you know how they got both Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert? <laughs> Draft night trades know. with the Denver Nuggets. That's right. What were you saying, Pelton? The, the, the only picks that the uh, Nuggets haven't hit on in the last few years. Actually, I guess technically, technically they're their draft. Oh, no, they, hit, they on. hit on those ones, too. Uh, <laughs> no, Denver's yeah. done a great job drafting for the Nuggets and the Jazz. <laughs> uh, the, probably the biggest uh, difficulty of that scenario is Denver's schedule, including that trip to Salt Lake City, is pretty brutal down the stretch. So, uh, That's right. 538's projections still have them. Yes, 538's projections still have them finishing three games behind the Warriors for the number one spot. That's true, but one thing that 538 can't predict is they can't <laughs> predict if the Warriors shut guys down okay. down the stretch to rest them. Yeah. Um, but, yes, I agree. I, I would certainly pr- project. I, I looked at this the other day. I, I think the Warriors probably get the number one seed. Um, but... But then you you can have a similar discussion. Well, never mind. I won't. Play. I'm just saying, keep an eye on the Jazz. Things could fall their way. Uh, of course, they got to play well. It doesn't really matter if they don't play well. Um, that is the key to winning games. That's true. <laughs> I mean, there's uh, an outside chance they could get all the opponent. There's an outside chance they could get all the way up to three. I don't know who who holds the tiebreaker between them and Houston. There's, they tied the season series two two. So. Uh, conference record. Well, I rely on you for that kind of minutia. Utah and, uh, and Houston's conference record are almost identical. Houston right now is a half if, game. Oh, it's division record, right? Um, no, conference. But although, yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, if if Utah was going to catch them in the standings, they would probably end up with the better conference record. I would say. Is it conference record or division record? I feel like it's division record is the is the second tiebreaker. Uh, Houston's like division bogged down in nerdiness. <laughs> yeah, right. this was a, this was an editorial discussion a couple of nights okay. ago. It's not worth figuring out until about one more week. Okay, all right. <laughs> exactly. Well, until Andrew Hahn has come twice. in and, and, and lowered the boom. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. Well, the voice of the voice of Hahn. Yes, the voice of reason. I, I'll be interested to see how much of. Uh, in my discussion about the Ultra Music Festival, he cuts out when I listen back. Um, all right, well, I thought I had a lot Mr. of fizzle. Um, Get it? Look it up. Fizzle. Um, ask. Yeah, I'm aware of it. Yeah. All right. I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. Um, Mr. McMahon, enjoy Miami tonight. Um, you should see how much uh, tickets for the festival are going for tomorrow. Uh, go for the go I'm for the go dance home and be a wholesome and, suburban dad and hang from my hang with my daughters for a night before I head back on the road. And don't let the, well, you can do whatever you want as a parent. I was just going to say, don't let them go to Ultra, but do whatever they want. Uh, Thirteen they, and ten. We're going to now. We're well, going to go to I like, don't mean uh, this year, the trampoline McMahon. park. I don't mean this year. I mean down the line. Uh, Mr. Pelton, thank you as always for joining us. Look forward to uh, talking to you again soon. Thank you, Andrew Hahn. Thank you, Kyrie and Bristol. Thanks for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Have a great weekend. Adios, amigos. All right, Houston would win that tiebreaker because division winner is the next tiebreaker. <laughs> right. yeah. Ky- Kyrie, keep that part. Keep Sounds this. to me like you guys are a couple of bookies.